We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, Nets fans? Welcome to another episode of the Brooklyn Buzz podcast presented by OTGBasketball.com. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, big Net fan, Jack Manuel. What's up, Jack? Two of two since the last pod, Nick. We're doing well, mate. We we had our lulls. We we get a bit depressed. We we get a bit angry. But then the Nets win two in a row. Absolute nail biters. Absolutely ecstatic over the weekend. Great stuff by our boys. Exactly. I mean, those close games, they stress you out, but you're happy when you get that W. It's a little oh, bit yeah. better than getting a blowout because, you know, you had to worry about it all the way to the end. And the season Nets do it against, I mean, the Pistons have struggled, but Miami was a hot team. 2-0 in the uh, – D'Lo Okafor error, so keep that in what mind. I know, I know you're hype about your man D'Lo coming back. Maybe not what we wanted to see, but his presence definitely is felt out there. But we'll start today. We'll recap Miami, Detroit. Jack posted a trade on otgbasketball.com between the Nets and Pistons. We'll talk about that. But quick shout-out to the OTG Basketball Network. We just uh, posted a Jack and I were on the NBA outlet this week and recorded the 100th episode, so check that out. Also, obviously, you can always listen to the Brooklyn Buzz on iTunes, Block Talk Radio, otgbasketball.com. But let's get started with Miami. So what's your reaction to getting that win? This is a quality team, Nick. So for us, we, we've performed well against the better teams. We mentioned the, the heartbreaking losses to the Celtics, the, to the Raptors, and the lie. But as we tend to harp on, whenever we play quality defense, we get the W. So when the Nets hold their opponent under 100 points uh, over the past two seasons, the, uh, over the season, sorry, we're 11-1. and one. Now, wow. that, is, that is a quality, quality stat right there via Anthony Puccio. It shows how important our defensive schemes are. Now, you can add in the fact that D'Lo came back. He adds the depth to us. You know, it allows players to, to play less minutes. Um, I think, I can't remember who it was. Someone on Twitter posted the fact that 
uh, Coach Kenny has have all of his players have averaged less than thirty minutes this year, and the only player to average close to it is Damari Carroll. Funnily enough, the oldest uh, eldest hmm. statesman. But we also have one of the highest paces in the league, so it sort of makes sense in comparison. We like to move the ball, so that's going to take it out of you defensively. So when we are engaged on that end, and we all, it, it almost like the defense breeds offense, and especially against a team like yeah. Miami Heat, who doesn't really have a, a bona fide superstar. Miami uh, Hassan Whiteside's always quite good against us because we struggle with those big bruising bigs. But his impact, other than you know getting the offensive rebounds and getting some putbacks, getting some dunks doesn't really lift his team. He's not like a Goran Dragic or a Tyler Johnson who has that sort of spark about him. So for us to sort of stop those guys who can lift the team uh, and, and sort of nullify them in a way it really helps us. Yeah, for sure. And that was a great stat that you mentioned right there. So the 101-95 uh, victory over the Heat at home. I thought you mentioned Carroll. I thought Carroll came out. He knew this team, you know, on the losing streak, needed some energy. He just came to play that game. You know, he put up a, he tied a season high, career high, 26 points, six rebounds, three of five from three. And he kind of gave us that spark that we needed. You mentioned D'Lo coming back. And I felt like D'Lo just brought energy to the team. I think yeah. a lot of these young guys are really close. We know Lavert and D'Lo have a great relationship. Rondé and Spencer, they seem to hang out too with D'Lo. And I saw D'Lo when he hit his first three against Detroit. Spencer was hyped. So I think all the guys, when he came back against Miami, it kind of just lifted up a little bit more of the energy. And even though he didn't put up big points or, you know, play big minutes, even that little rest that he's getting Spencer Dinwiddie, I think paid off in the fourth quarter. It definitely does. You can see, uh, I, I can't remember if it was the Pistons game. I, I think it was the Heat game. Um, let me just find a tweet where the last sort of 12, 13 points were all scored by Dinwiddie and, and Levert. So, finding yep. it now. Uh, in the last three thirteen, Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis Levert had all of the Nets points. Dinwiddie had eight, Levert had four. Now, does that happen without D'Angelo Russell playing 15 minutes in the game? I highly doubt it. They're going to be gassed. And we've seen that from Spencer Dinwiddie lately. We mentioned in our previous pod, you know, his energy, while there... It, it, it certainly was affecting his form. It's almost like he lost that step a little bit. But now he's back and he's absolutely dominating. And we, we'll obviously mention the Pistons win. But him and Levert and now having D'Lo, it, it just, it's all seems to be coming together for the Nets. When we're healthy, look at us. We're a squad to be feared. And I think it was SB Nation. I think it was Tom Zilla wrote a really good post that, you know, going into Brooklyn now and, and going against the, against the Nets, it's not a night off anymore. You know, we're not the Kings. We're not the, I can't even say the Bulls anymore. The Bulls are probably similar. But we're not one of those low, lackluster teams that, you know, you can just take the night off against. You've got to be engaged. You've got to be switched on against us to get the W or else we're going to steal it from you. Like you said, you can't go into Brooklyn and get that free win. Last year, we played competitive. We might try to sneak one out. But this year, you keep us in that game close. We're going to make a run. We're going to hit a few threes and keep that game real close. Especially, like you said, shout out to my boy Levert. My man just keeps getting better. You know, even the games where he doesn't shoot great, he's starting to have more of an impact on the game with his defense, rebounding, and playmaking. And the luxury Kenny's going to have having D'Lo, Dinwiddie, and Levert, having two playmakers on the floor, it just makes life so much easier for everybody. Or even just one playmaker that's not gassed. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we need our best players. And these are young guys, so obviously they're going to have their ups and downs. But the consistency they're already beginning to show is something to be marveled at. Rondo Hollis-Jefferson is almost a guy who, I saw someone tweet that he's, he's almost going to be a Draymond Light where he's always going to be flirting with the triple-double. I think it was someone from Nets Daily saying that we are lucky as a team that, you know, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis Levert, 
Rondé Hollis, Jefferson, D'Angelo Russell, they're all still in their rookie contracts or else we might be having to pay pay a little bit of cash to them because this is a great young core. Seeing how they develop over the rest of the season, I think is going to be the key to our direction uh, for the uh, for the coming years. For those that didn't listen to the 100th outlet, highly, highly recommend it. <laughs> Nick and I had a talk about when the next next championship was going. It was somewhat tongue-in-cheek, but there were elements to it that I think uh, have validity. So for the, And these guys are the core of it, obviously. A free agent and maybe a, a nice, juicy draft pick next year are obviously going to be a big part of it. But what we have now is obviously the impetus for where we go. Yeah, this is definitely going to be a base, at least some of these guys, D'Angelo, Karis LeVert, and then obviously Rondé is probably one of those guys, and Dinwiddie's kind of up in the air. But the way he's playing and just his mentality and attitude, it just kind of makes you want to keep him around. So that's something that we're going to definitely keep an eye on. But what do you think about D'Angelo in his return? Obviously not the numbers that you and I predicted. He was definitely rustier than I anticipated. But what were your thoughts on his play? Uh, I, I like it because he he, he, bring, he brings this energy – that this intangible energy that not many players can do. And that comes from the guys who have the sort of spark, um, the sort of edge, the sort of star power. Now, D'Angelo is by no means solidified himself as a star, but he has star potential. You know, he got an absolute ovation from the, the crowd when he came back on, which was awesome to see. You know, it, it's great to see the fans finally becoming engaged uh, with this net squad. And I think it's building and building. And he's a huge part of that. You know, we saw the huge social media outbursts from the Nets, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. There was so much great content coming out, obviously. Um, it, and it was awesome. So I think D'Angelo Russell provides so much more than just his play on the court. And I think similar to what we saw with Okafor in the fact that baby steps, baby steps, baby steps, D'Angelo is still very, very young himself. And we're going to see the best of him in games to come. But I think as long as we're getting the wins, having him there is almost a bonus. Having him healthy is the important thing. We don't need him putting up those numbers that we spoke of um, for him to have an impact because we have now these guys who have stepped up in his absence and it almost makes it easier and takes the pressure off D'Angelo. Now, if D'Angelo had to come in and play 25, 30 minutes a night, you know, Spencer did what he was struggling. Karis LeVert still hadn't found his shot. Then that's when the pressure would be on a little bit. But I think his teammates and his friends... For, uh, of course, are absolutely doing him a service and it really helps him uh, to sort of just ease into things a little bit. Yeah, and I think, it, like you said, it definitely helps that there's not a ton of pressure. And I think it maybe it'll help him long-term being in this role where he's not scoring as much, so he's seeing different ways where he can impact the game. Like we said, Laverne Dinwiddie might be in the Nets' future, so we kind of need to see how he can be with another you know, good guard in there. And I think he's done a great job. I think just like the small things that he does sometimes, like pushing the ball up the court faster than some of the other guards on the team, he just gets us open shots. He just does, has a ton of great fakes too. Obviously, oh, yeah. I, I think in that game, he just – he didn't look 100% like committed to going all in, you know, on that knee. Like he didn't want to full out sprint. He didn't want to fully explode yet. So I think, like you said, he's kind of easing in. He looked a little bit better against Detroit in terms of, you know, feeling more comfortable. But in the Miami game, he was definitely just not 100% committed on that knee, yet, in my opinion. Yeah, the shot looked a little bit short. Um, we, we saw him taking the shots. You know, obviously taking them in practice is a, is a whole different ball game than from taking them against, you know, some fully fledged, fully fledged uh, NBA competition, you know, against great teams, especially like a Miami team who, we've, as we mentioned before, is famed for their defense, uh, especially under Coach Spolstra. So for him to sort of build and build, you know, the shot's going to come. 
it was really nice to see that little highlight from him, that little look away pass. It's a really yeah. sexy move. I really love it. It's just something that, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie, we love him for his preciseness, his his, his carefulness, his his finesse, um, his precision. But Spencer just gives you something that just elevates the game. He gives you this highlights. He puts you on the sports center. So that, that was something that was really cool because at least he could take something away from the game. And I think the coaching yeah. staff would have been happy nonetheless just to see him out there. Yeah, and Kenny didn't even seem worried about it at all yesterday in the press conference or the other day, so I'm not concerned myself. Quick shout-out to Joe Harris before we move on to Detroit game. Another solid game for him. I know that's Jack's boy, so i got to show him some love. You know, 12 points, 4 or 5 from the field, 2 or 3 from 3, and I'm sure there's some hustle plays that I'm not including right now that he always has. And I believe Joe Harris started to get a little bit more late fourth-quarter minutes than he usually does in that Miami game. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, I think I mentioned in my article that – at the time of publication, he was seventh in the league for effective field goal percentage. Now, that's wow. absolutely wild for a guy who's not Steph Curry and who's not DeAndre Jordan. You know, he's not... And he's on know, the Nets. Not and, saying, like, not showing it, shade at their own team, but they're not the most talented bunch. Not at all. And, you know, he's in, he's, he's in the second unit, so he's obviously having to create his own shot, having to get better shots off. His efficiency is, is absolutely marveled at. And I would be uh, heavily surprised if... Teams aren't absolutely blowing up Sean Mark's phone right now to secure his services. But I think Sean is waiting, as we know, because um, he likes to be a bit more uh, careful in his moves and a bit more precise and make sure he gets the most value out of it. Because right now, Joe Harris isn't worth anything less than you know a, a late first rounder or a decent piece. Um, we need to, and, and I think that Sean Marks would be remiss to get rid of him. As we've mentioned in previous spots, he just continues. One of our most consistent players this year, absolutely. Uh, and, and it's been a hallmark of, of when the Nets do well, we are consistent across the board. Joe Harris sort of sets the tone with that second unit. Yeah, honestly, he has. Yeah, I mean, you probably can make the argument he's been more consistent than Rondé because even when his shooting's not there, he still has that high energy and he's driving to the lane. I think what's impressed me the most about Joe Harris this year would probably be the passing ability. You know, I didn't really see a lot of that last year. And then the ability to drive in the rim. And lately, we've been seeing a little bit of fadeaway jumper in that low post area. So something to keep an eye on, and they put small guards on him too. But moving yeah. on to uh, Detroit, where he played another great game. But the Nets came up victorious. 101-100, Spencer Dimity game winner. What were your thoughts when you saw that go in? Oh, man, I was so nervous. I, I, I've been, I, I was sort of in and out of the game. I, I, I've, like, I'm preparing for work, obviously, the work week's uh, ahead of us. But it was a late game, so I wanted to make sure I could try and catch as much of it as I can. But then I saw it get quite close. I'm like, okay, I've got to turn this on. And then Spencer did what he – it was like, okay, this can't get away from us. The apparent, we on, we only, they had the lead only once at 12-10. And for the rest of the game, I'm like, okay, I'm pretty comfortable with this. They come back, and then – I get the, the play. It's like four seconds to go. I'm like, oh, that's trouble by Andre Drummond. Come on. But then it's like, uh, it's iffy. I'm, I, I get that. They didn't call that. But then the Spencer did when he played was just, that was a foul again. Yeah. Um, but he still makes it. And you see him. It's just like, come on, man. It's just like, when will some, when will like anyone show the dude respect? Like the, and, and he went viral. Like the, like Spencer did when he went viral. Like I think it was Brandon Jennings. Was it Brandon Jennings who, who was tweeting at him? Over in China, he's like, you know, my my boy, um, the mustache man or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. That was absolutely hilarious. Like, people were giving him respect. Damian Lillard was saying he's had yeah. one of the best underrated years. And a great tweet um, that I saw from John Schumann. So Spencer Dimity tied CJ McCollum for the league lead in buckets to tie or take the lead in the final minute. 
that's a huge stat. And that just proves clutchability. Yes, his percentage isn't amazing in that final minute. You know, CJ McCollum has a percentage of almost 43. Uh, Spencer Dillery has a percentage of just under 38. But you're confident with the ball in his hands. He had two defenders around him. And one of them was the, the monster in Andre Drummond who swiped the shit out of him and was not vertical by any stretch of the imagination. But you just felt like, yeah. we've got this. Like, it's Spencer Dinwiddie here. There's moments earlier in the season where he would have settled for that sort of pull-up three, and he might have made it, but the high-percentage shot is to get inside, try and draw a foul, which he should have. So it was just relief, uh, elation, just a, a huge mixture of emotions, Nick. Yeah, it was. It was a close game just back and forth, and uh, I wasn't at home watching it. I was watching it on my phone, so like – it's even tougher. And then like I was in the car watching on the way home and I was just like, Oh my God, I screamed so loud when they when he hit the shot. Cause like you said, I saw the play and initially I'm like foul. And then the shot goes in. I'm like, don't worry about it. (laughs) (laughs) Give us a foul. Give us the end one. But like, uh, seriously though, the shot didn't go in. How the, is he not getting a foul there? Like Andre Drummond's big ass just came and bodied the shit out of him while he's midair, no verticality at all. And, like, even if he missed just the fact that Drummond's coming at him, that's why I give Dinwiddie so much credit, is he hit that shot knowing he was going to get hit by Drummond and probably have a weird landing. Like, that's some BS from the NBA. And, honestly, like, I'm not trying to say the NBA is rigged or anything, but the refs seem not to like Spencer Dinwiddie. I don't know if he said some things to them in the past or maybe he's an asshole on the court or something, but there's plenty of times where he's not getting calls. And it's not even just, you know, driving to the rim. Like, there was a play yesterday when Andre Jovan shoved, shoved him in the back to the ground. The ref's standing right there, and he didn't do anything. Yeah, and I think it's just that he's still established. We mentioned in the last part, the fact that he still hasn't established himself as a star yet. I think these clutch moments, these big-time moments, surely the refs are going to be paying attention to this. And if they're not, then it's it's on them. And, I mean, it would have been heartbreaking to see one of those stupid, finicky two-minute plays come out like, yeah, it was a foul. And it just does nothing for anyone apart from the the, the freaking Pistons. Um, great to see him sort of get a revenge moment of sorts for the uh, against his former team as well. Uh, it, it was almost vindication for, for Spencer. It was just awesome. Um, it was a great game happy. Great game. points, nine from 13 from the field, four, six from three, four rebounds, five assists. Like, any plates, you know... Ish Smith is kind of a tough matchup for somebody who's 6'6", and I thought he did a pretty good job. Obviously, he gave up some mid-range jumpers, but it's tough to defend a guy who's that fast. He only had 11 points and three assists, so then when he definitely got some revenge. Oh, what else stuck out to you about this game? What was your reaction, you know, other than the Dinwiddie beauty at the end? Ronde, uh, again, with a, a huge amount of assists, a career, a career high tying, seven assists to go with his eight rebounds and 21 points. Mentioned earlier the fact that he's he's flirting with those triple doubles. If he can, obviously the three shot is is, is also developing as well. We saw him hit a couple, uh, two, so I think. two. So I think he's that's the third time. I can't remember the third time. Yep, he's done it's the third time he's done that. Yep. Yeah. So the fact that you know that's happening right now, um, and it's going to give him confidence. I think the whole all of his entire game is just coming together. In, in a, it's like, you know, you're mixing all the ingredients together. You have a little bit of a taste. You add something else in. You add like a little bit of passing. It's like, oh, that makes it taste even better. And then you add in the, the three-point shot. And it's the cherry on top of the, the whipped cream chocolate fudge sundae. He's absolutely, if he can continue to nail that shot, he might be one of the most dangerous up-and-coming uh, wings in the game because he can pass, he can rebound, he can score inside, he can get fouls. If he can nail a three-point shot, as a 22-year-old, that's an almost ideal skill set for any player, let alone 
a guy who's a, a, a four and sometimes a small ball five. It's it's early days. We've seen glimpses of it, but it's so positive to see. I couldn't be happier for a guy who I wrote about earlier in the season as well because he's put in the work and, and a lot of our guys have, and it's great to see them reaping the rewards. Yeah, all of that combined with some elite defensive versatility. You know yeah. what I mean? The ability that he brings to a defense. I think the Nets sometimes have some great success when they're switching on almost everything. And Rondé allows that. Carroll allows that when they go super small. And like you said, it's that one ingredient. We might be a three-star restaurant right now, but maybe we make that small change and we're a five-star restaurant oh, yeah. just because it's that important. You know, like that three-point shot is going to be a game changer because watching Rondé yesterday handle the ball, on Tobias Harris, who's not obviously a great defender or anything, but still, he's athletic enough, and Rondé was kind of breaking him down a little bit and showed me something that I didn't necessarily know was a fact that he could do it so well, especially after bouncing back against a game against Miami where they were a little physical with him. He kind of took it to them this game, and he kind of bounced inside, even went up against Drummond a few times. So I think Rondé, one thing I'd like to still see from him, there was an instance where he shot the wide-open mid-range shot, but he could have probably taken two steps in and shot a teardrop or like a layup-type shot. I kind of would like to see that once in a while, but whatever he's more comfortable with. Yeah, I think that comes with comes with time, Nick. I can, he's still he's still learning his his own craft. He's still learning what he can do as a player. It's almost like a lot of our young guys, uh, our guys who are twenty two and under, and even Spencer Dimity, who's twenty four. They're feeling their way. They're finding out what they can do against these big teams. The Pistons yeah. are, are, are a near playoff bound team. The Heat are a top four seed uh, when we versed them. So it's almost like we're figuring it out on the fly. And I think Coach Kenny is adjusting to that, you know, with the super small lineups, as you mentioned, where we look really good. We look or we look really good in that instance. It might hurt us, you know, on the rebound front. But, you know, when Rondé Hollis Jefferson can get eight rebounds and our wings can continue to rebound Damari Carroll as well, then that certainly helps it. You know, the team rebounding is where we look our best. You know, we don't Tyler Zeller, Jared Allen, Julie Locafor, they're not monsters on the boards. So I think it, yeah, the versatility we're getting when we have a healthy squad, it just helps so much. And I, and I think the, the key ingredient to our success going forward is going to be health. And I mean, you say that about any team in the league. You look at the Spurs right now, you know, without Kawhi Leonard. Um, and you just say, if they had Kawhi right now, where would they be? Uh, the Nets right now, when they have a full squad, a full bill of health, then we look like an almost playoff team. Yeah, and I think the fact that the Nets have some guys on the roster that they really just can't play, like Mozgov, having everybody healthy allows them to have the guys they need to play yeah. so everybody's a little bit fresher. You know, it might not seem like a lot, but playing those couple extra minutes comes and counts in the fourth quarter. Also thought, you know, the energy was good again yesterday, so maybe building that momentum, you know, two-game winning, it's not really a winning streak, but two straight right here, you know, possibly win another one really could really help the team. Also thought the Nets made a great adjustment, Kenny and the coaching staff. We talked about in the last time they played Detroit, they caught a body. They got blown out. The Pistons were super aggressive on their pick and roll, and they were kept double teaming them. Yesterday, the Nets did a lot better job when they were getting double teamed, getting the ball out quick, and also the teammates of the guy getting double teamed did a better job of getting an open space. And I thought that made all the difference. There's a couple plays in that game where there was just some great quick passes, some good ball movement, moving it around the, you know, around the outside, the back around the outside, and then inside getting a wide open layup. So some really good adjustments from the team and the coaching staff. Yeah, low key as well. Jalil Okafor, he's yeah. out of the post passing, which was one of his key sort of uh, key sort of skills in Duke. It seems to have come back in the in the past game, game and a half. He he struggled a little bit in the Miami game. But against the Pistons, we saw some nice kickouts. 
Now, that's one thing that I think can help him and develop his game to further levels. Now, he's obviously going to get the time. He's going to get the time to show those aspects. If if he can do that, that just adds so much, a, a really extra dimension to our game because then we can feed him extra possessions and it just gives him those touches as well. It gives him that positivity. It adds to his possible assist game. If he's kicking that out to a Joe Harris or an Alan Crabb, that could lead to a three, a Spencer Dinwiddie, a D'Lo. Those open possessions, it just makes the world a difference, um, especially when you've got, he's also got the post game, the the pick and roll game that's starting to develop a little bit. So shout out to Jalil, who's um, been pretty good uh, lately. Yeah, in particular, I actually clipped one of Jalil's passes yesterday, and it was he was getting triple teamed down inside. He hits Joe Harris with a one-handed pass, perfect three-point shot right there. And I think in the net system, like we talked about, not only do you have outside spacing, but inside spacing. If you have somebody like Okafor who's doing an efficient job down low, it's going to really suck the defense in. So uh, I've been been slightly impressed. I mean, there's still a lot. Like, we just don't really know a lot about Okafor. He hasn't really seen big minutes yet, and it's tough because of the way the Nets play to get him big minutes without trying to mess up, you know, what's working for us. Yeah, and and I think the good thing is that Moscow has been relegated. the good to nothing, thing, to nothing <laughs> which is which is positive. Um, Tyler Zeller and, and Jared Allen, I think, and when we play our best, sometimes the the super small lineups is what works. But I think these guys are, are starting to sort of swallow their egos, for lack of a better word, for lack of a better phrase. They're not really worrying about what works best for them, and they're showing their best. What works best for the team at the end of the day, it feels going to reflect best on their game as a whole, which I think is positive and. I think that comes from the culture that's been created under Coach Kenny and Sean Marks. And for a guy like Jalil Okafor to go, okay, look, yes, I am a, a, a first-round pick here, but at the same time, I want my team to win. I want to be part of something here. And I think that comes from all of our guys. You know, Rondé, he'll sit possessions where we might have to go out all-out offense because, you know, he's not the guy we want taking a perimeter shot because when we've got, you know, guys like Joe Harris, Nick Stauskas, and Alan Crabb, so I think that's certainly that culture that's being bred is is really, really positive. For sure. And you mentioned the culture and, you know, we talked about it. How were those losses going to impact the Nets? You know, losing to Toronto and Boston like that, you know, that really hurt. So I think in this game and in the Miami game, you saw the Nets' mental toughness and actual physical toughness on the court take another step. One issue against the Knicks game was the physicality. And sometimes when the Nets don't get the calls, they kind of back down a little bit, get timid, and just kind of complain to the refs. I felt like in these other games, they were a little bit tougher. And almost like we mentioned, I think, on the previous pod, they made the refs made the calls because they were so aggressive to the rim. You know, if you constantly keep doing it, there's really not much they can not call a foul on. You know what I mean? And then the mental toughness, losing the lead late, like you mentioned, and then getting it back and hitting the game winner, I think that was a big deal. Yeah, it shows maturity uh, in your game and, and maturity just in general from, from the squad, Nick. Damari Carroll obviously has a huge effect on that. He's been uh, an, an absolute revelation and, and, and a reason why we've been so successful in, in some of those really clutch situations. Just to have a, a, a poised uh, poised head out there, a poised mature head who knows what he's doing, who's been in such situations because a lot of these guys you know, have, have only had a couple of years in the league. Whereas Damari Carroll's seen situations far and wide uh, and, and he knows what works best. And I think... Those wins uh, are going to give us some real confidence because we have a really tough stretch ahead. We've got the Thunder, the Bucks, who are obviously going to be rejuvenated after the firing of Jason Kidd, uh, the Timberwolves, the Knicks, and the Sixers before uh, taking on the Lakers. So those are five incredibly tough games against really good squads. And 
the Knicks as well, who's a team we've struggled against. So hopefully these two wins hopefully uh, gives us some confidence going into the Thunder. Well, Jack, you again do it again. And a perfect segue to my next question. How much are these wins going to impact the Nets moving forward? Do you think this is really going to help them take another step forward and build up on that confidence? And, you know, those closeouts late in games, they're going to do a little bit better now because they've gotten these two wins? Yeah, I certainly think it, Nick, because if you get those wins early, it's almost like motor uh, motor memory. So, like, you, you know what to do in those situations. You don't, like, you know, like mentioning with Spencer Dinwiddie, you don't just pull up and, and settle for shots. You go, okay, what have I done in this situation before? It's almost like automatic. So, for us to get in those situations and actually be reinforced by getting a win, it's like, okay, this is what works for us and what made us successful. We got the W here. Let's do it again. If it doesn't work, let's change it. Let's go to the tape and we'll readjust. Now, obviously, those situations are going to be different coming up against different teams. So, you know, Stephen Adams on the inside is an absolute monster. The Thunder are a great defensive team. Giannis is just an absolute beast. Um, the Timberwolves have Carl Anthony Towns. So you have to adjust according to the personnel and who you've got as a personnel and ride the sort of the hot hand. So if Joe, Joe Harris is hot of late, you know, you play in those clutch minutes. If Karis LeVert is hot of late, you play in those clutch minutes. If Jalil Okafor is, is hot, like he was a couple of games ago, you play in those clutch minutes. So I think it's it's a balancing act, but it certainly can't hurt us that by any stretch. Yeah, and I think getting these young guys some close uh, clutch minutes and close games that the Nets win is going to be huge. I mean, LeVert didn't shoot great, but he had some great moments down the stretch. Obviously, the missed free throws, but he got to the line and he had an impact on the game. And that's something I love to see, but... Um, before we move on to the trade session, just quick shout out to Quincy AC. I know we throw a lot of shit his way, but he's played well the last two games, even though he's not necessarily hitting his shots. He's just doing some of the small things. And one thing, like we've mentioned on here, you got to love the fact that he's willing to take charges. Top five in the league in that and just impressive thing to do. Yeah, shout out to Quincy AC. Uh, I think having a healthy squad allows him to sort of relegate his role to what he's good at and what he's, his niche is, as we've mentioned before. If he hits a couple of shots here and there, it's gravy. If he doesn't, but he's taking those charges, getting the uh, offensive fouls uh, for on the other side, then that's what makes it even better. Get some offensive boards, you know, just create havoc out there, provide that energy. Um, he's almost, he provides the grit in Brooklyn grit that, you know, we, we so sorely want because we've got a lot of flash uh, sort of developing with D'Lo, Spencer, and Karras. But we still need that grit that uh, sort of helps everything and, and glues it all together, so to speak. Yeah, and I like the toughness he brings sometimes. You know, it's not necessarily always controlled, but when it is, it definitely helps the team. But let's talk trade. Jack just posted a trade article on uh, OTG's NBA trade deadline marathon. If you didn't know, OTG is posting uh, NBA trades every day up to the NBA trade line. We're up to the point now. We're posting two a day. So it's a ton of fun. Check it out. Let us know your thoughts on Twitter and all that. But the Nets trade is going to be uh, Lance and Galloway, Stanley Johnson, Luke Kennard to the Nets for Damari Carroll and Joe Harris. So, Jax, just tell us a little bit about this trade in your article. So uh, I did some research on this, Nick, because the ESPN trade machine, while fun, can be absolutely headache-inducing, <laughs> trying to find <laughs> the right assets, trying to find the money that matches. So I did some research. Uh, I, I went on Nets Daily, saw some fan posts. I'm like, okay, well, Who's, who, who do I think is more likely to get moved? So there's likely, I, I took into account like Spencer, the, all the rumors, Spencer Dinwiddie, Tamari Carroll, Joe Harris. Those are our three guys that have, have been rumored. Now, I didn't put Spencer Dinwiddie in there because I think his value is too great for the contract that he's on. Uh, he's the youngest of the three guys that we just mentioned. And I think having a ball handler who can create a shot is uh, one thing that you don't want to let go of. Yes, he might become expensive later on, but we deal with that in the future. We've got, you know, the rights to him, and he's on the best contract in the NBA right now. 
So I discounted him, despite the fact that everyone's like, sell high, sell high, sell high. I'm like, you're not going to get the right return for him, I don't think. So by virtue of definition, I, I, we saw the Woj, a lot of people who, who were switched on, and all our buzz lizards obviously are, saw Woj's piece and ESPN talking about the fact that, you know, Damari Carroll had, had, grown some, had garnered some interest from guys like the Pelicans, the Pistons, looking for a capable wing. Guy who can hit the three, guy who can play a little bit of D. Uh, and Damari's absolutely done that. His contract right now was the salary dump, but the salary dump has been, you know, not really dump worthy. It's almost been uh, a salary jump, so to speak. Uh, he's been absolutely great and almost been playing to his salary, his, his potential. He's having a career year. And Joe Harris is absolutely exceeding the 1.5 million that he's earning. And he's on an expiring. So there's absolute immense value in that. Plus he's only 26 too. So these two guys, I'm like, okay. And I, I spoke to Nick, obviously, because he's an absolute expert, uh, an absolute uh, genius when it comes to this stuff. So we ran some ideas by each other. And it was almost a, a combined effort. So the reason why Johnson and Canard, Johnson's almost like a, 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 a Rondé light, if you, if, if you will. Uh, the, round the same college played together. There you go. They're the same age. Uh, he's on a quite a short contract. Um, Stan Van Gundy, one of those coaches like a Tibbs who is notoriously known for not being uh, as helpful, as guiding, uh, as nurturing as a guy like a coach, Kenny, who's the, the player development whiz that he is. So I think getting a Stanley Johnson might reform him. Um, we know his, his defensive capabilities are, are great. And I think he was... Uh, a guy who was guarding Stephen Curry in previous years and absolutely dominating. Luke Kennard has been, you know, uh, one of the low-key great players of this rookie class. Not getting enough credit. Great shooter. Uh, a shooter, which is a guy who helps space the floor. And then Langston Galloway, who's just one of those guys who's on a little bit of an elevated uh, salary, similar to Damari Carroll, but he makes it work. And he's one of those sort of glue guys who, you know, who was in New York previously. But it can also make things work. Hit a three, play a little bit of defense. And it's just one of those vet guys that sort of helps everything work. So if you, if for say Pistons fans think, okay, we're not getting enough value out of this, you could chuck in a, a net second round pick. So I mentioned in, in the piece that the pace of second round pick that we're getting this year, you could chuck that in. And I think that would be even and both parties would be happy. Um, I, yeah. I, I also posted uh, my... My, uh, my ideas to the step back, uh, the little video in there, and they gave me some feedback on it. So it was just nice one to research because, you know, Spencer did, um, Joe Harris, as I mentioned, 59.7% field, field goal percentage, which is absolutely ridiculous. 47.5% from the field, 39.1 a game. And Nick, you mentioned that he's, you know, there's 12 points. He's averaging 10 points per game off the bench. And he's doing it in bugger all minutes. His per 36 numbers would be absolutely uh, astounding. So uh, great, really fun piece to do. Yeah, and I mean, just a lot of, Joe Harris does a lot of the small things. Same with Damari Carroll. I think Damari Carroll would provide the Pistons with some leadership. And I think that could really help them. They have a couple, Not they're not like super young, but they're just right around that age where they don't necessarily have a leader because I don't know if Andre Drummond is that type of guy. Yeah. Same thing with Tobias Harris and Reggie Jackson maybe wants to be a leader, but he's not really healthy right now. Like you said, the only thing is maybe the Pistons don't want to give up Luke Kennard, but usually if you're making a trade and they seem more like a win now type of mode, especially with Van Gundy being the coach and the president. And worst case, you know, maybe the Nets throw in the second round, like you said. And Stanley Johnson would be a guy that I'm really intrigued with. 
because his shooting numbers are so bad. He's shooting under 40% from the field, under 30% from three. But if you recall his rookie year, he looked so good, especially in summer league. Like I mentioned, he played with Rondé in college, and they came out in the same class, and there was so much hype with Stanley Johnson. Rondé didn't get a ton. Right now, Rondé's probably the better, more consistent player. But I'd love to see what the Nets could do with somebody like Stanley Johnson and what they could do with even Luke Kennard. I think his shooting yeah. would be amazing in the Nets system. It'd just be tough. I don't know if the Pistons want to give him up, but it would just be – you know, it would be a really good fit. And if the Pistons wanted to win now, I think this trade really helps both parties. Yeah, and they've, they've been known that they want to win now. They're, uh, as of yesterday when I posted the piece, they were outside the playoff race. You know, at the start of the season, everyone was talking about as a top four seed. And even on JVT, we were saying, okay, well, they're a lot for the playoffs. To fall out of the race now and to see the Bucks who are just, just holding on to eighth and they have a star in Giannis Antetokounmpo, Yes, Drummond and Tobias Harris have been great and have played out of their minds. But those are two guys that you can't really rely on. You need some extra depth to sort of support him. And allow you bring in the, the services of Joe Harris and Damari Carroll. I think that certainly brings you over the edge. And I mentioned the fact that a trades for both parties don't normally work very well. Um, you, know, you might say that the Thunder Pacers trade in hindsight now works out quite well. But for this one, the Pistons and Nets, I think they would both be are uh, really satisfied with the trade. There might be issues saying, yes, oh, Kanab, we're not going to give up that him. He's got a great promise. But at the same time, you know, I, I don't think Sam Van Gundy is huge on his young dudes. Um, he's one of those guys who loves his vets. And I think seeing a Damari Carroll and Joe Harris who are proven performers is as much value as a young piece um, going forward. Exactly. And if they didn't want, I'm sure the Nets, there also could be some different avenues where maybe the Nets trade Damari Carroll and, um, you know, they give us Avery Bradley and Stanley Johnson and maybe a pick for to take that on or something along those lines. I think there is a combination. I would not be surprised at all if the Nets do make a trade with the Pistons. I just have a feeling the Pistons seem like a team that the Nets could kind of take advantage of. Not saying they're yeah. going to rip them off, but they seem like a team, like you said, Jack, that kind of want to be in that win now mentality. And I think that could be a really big factor for the Nets, who are very patient. So uh, I'm definitely intrigued by this trade season and like, like I said, check out otgbasketball.com. A lot of good trade articles. Let us know what you think on Twitter. But that wraps it up for today. You can listen to us on uh, iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, otgbasketball.com. Jack, thank you. And as always, thank you, everybody, for listening. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.